You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Christian McCaffrey into the end zone a couple times in the NFC Championship game and the week before that against Green Bay. As well, welcome back into BetQL Daily, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network, alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. I'm Chris Mack. Brad Spielberger joins us in 20 minutes from Pro Football Focus. Start to get some of his early handicaps on this game. Reed Wallach in 40 minutes to talk college hoops. And an hour from now, we continue our NFL year in review. We look back on the NFC North's year, which just wrapped up last year week with Detroit and the week before that with Green Bay and ahead to what things look like for the Lions, the Packers, the Bears, and the Vikings. Um, But rushing props. We talked a lot of CMC when we were power ranking our favorite Super Bowl bets. Uh, We mentioned Pacheco as well. So let's start there with rushing props for this game specific in general and these two guys specifically. Um, I do. I've said this from the start, Joe. I think this is a lower scoring, more deliberately paced offensive game on both sides, uh, because especially of the defenses' physicality. But both very physical defenses, San Francisco and Kansas City. Um, San Francisco has struggled the last month or so in slowing down the run game. That can't be ignored. But um, I don't know if that means Isaiah Pacheco necessarily goes off. Does it? entice Andy Reid uh, and Matt Nagy and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes to lean into that run game. I I think there's a thought there. I also think, like we talked about plenty already in the last three days, if you're the Niners, it's hard not to lean into Christian McCaffrey, right? You want to ease Brock Purdy's anxiety going into his first Super Bowl start, lean into Christian McCaffrey, especially early. So um, are the opposing defenses prepared for all, all of those lines of thinking and that logic and ready to shut down the opposing run games or do McCaffrey and Pacheco really maybe drive this thing more than say party and Mahomes. I think the best idea for Kansas city is just to ignore anything that Matt Nagy brings up in any meeting or on any <laughs> headset. That, that, that would be uh, to their benefit. Uh, my, my first thought as far as the rushing props is well, I find these very, very interesting. Um, like the point spread, I'm expecting a close game. So game script wise, like um, if you look at Kansas City, they've been involved in a couple of blowouts in the playoffs. So I wouldn't judge their rush defense based on that too much because Baltimore just decided to completely abandon the run, even though they shouldn't have. And Miami was a blowout in the uh, the wild card game there. And so I, I think it's going to be close. Now, if you're playing from out in front, obviously you're going to end up running the ball more. Which side has blowout potential? I'd say only Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is not getting blown out in the Super Bowl. It's just not happening. They're gonna he's gonna be in the game no matter what. 
Um, but we've seen total clunkers from Purdy, including a four interception game not that long ago. So it is, uh, it is possible. You can run on both of these teams. That's been proven all year long, not only in the playoffs, but if you look at the entire regular season, look at rush EPA on defense, San Francisco 26, Kansas City 28th. Okay. And then San Francisco, number one in the NFL in rush EPA on offense. And the Detroit game, 182 yards on the ground. Green Bay ran for 136. Aaron Jones, 18 for 108. He was not that guy this year. I don't know that he's that guy anymore, but he was against this San Francisco rush defense. So the game that was not a blowout in in the Kansas City playoff run, Buffalo, 182 rushing yards like Detroit. So, Aaron, that's why I find these markets so appealing because in both instances, both defenses are terrible against the run and the San Francisco rushing offense is as good as it gets. So I think we have a lot of opportunities here and it's not only with the running backs with these rushing props. Yeah, I agree. I like both the uh, uh, Pacheco and CMC props uh, with the rush attempts. Um, you could look at yards, touchdowns, even though like, I do hope this is a back and forth game and I think it'll be a closer game. They're still going to try to run the ball. And if one of, if the chiefs, for example, are up, like you said, like they will be trying to, you know, chew up some of that clock as well. So I think both of them are good looks. Um, I also looked at, uh, what was that one? I didn't mention it in my power rankings. Uh, longest rush. Of course. It's one of yeah. my favorites. But Pacheco longest, okay. longest rush, 15 and a half, I thought was good too, because you give him a little extra time, you know, to rest with that turf toe. I expect him to be ready to go. Yeah, I love that one. Um, and, and I just went back and looked at it, Aaron. Pacheco, uh, longest rush over 15 and a half. He's gone over that number in three of his last four games. Uh, Baltimore was the first mm -hmm. time he hadn't done it in the last month, four of his last six, five of his last eight. Um, I love the Pacheco uh, over 15 and a half for his longest run. Um, you've got Pacheco at 69 and a half as his rushing prop. I like the over there. Um, McCaffrey alt line at 100 plus at plus 115 is enticing. A little bit of plus money. The opportunity, certainly not a blowout, but if San Francisco's got a lead and they're trying to close this thing out late, you give him an extra four or five carries and to put things away, maybe that gets us up over that number, and we've seen him consistently hit in the upper 80s and 90s. And here's one I absolutely love it. Um, at BetMGM, you can get combined rushing yards, Pacheco and CMC, at 162 and a half. I definitely think we get there. Um, that's that's yeah. 65 to 70 for Pacheco. Um, admittedly, yeah. that's, that's going to get you into the 90s for CMC. But I could see both of those hitting and over 162 and a half combined. That's that's another one that's enticing at this point. Mm. Okay, here are uh, some of the ones that I like. First off, on the attempts, I was surprised that I got here. But, you know, the number led me there. My favorite attempts uh, bet in this category is Brock Purdy rush attempts. So it's juiced at two and a half or you can find plus money at three and a half at plus 124. Now, Kansas City just faced a couple of mobile quarterbacks that had their opportunities. And, and you expect that when you go against Lamar and Josh Allen. Eight for Lamar, 
12 for Josh Allen. But Purdy, you know, in, in their matchups over on the NFC side, he, he's been taken off a little bit. Five for 48 against Detroit, and uh, he had six attempts in the Green Bay game. So if, I, if I'm playing the, the juice two and a half, I just have to get the three. Purdy rushes uh, should get there. And then, obviously, if I like that, you look at the rush yards. It's only – you can find an 11.5. Most of the market at 12.5. But I like the over 11.5. And, and, and if I'm picking between CMC and Pacheco, and I've got to go Pacheco, you can find a 67.5 rushing yards out there. I think both will have a lot of success. But, you know, obviously the CMC yeah. number is – is out there in the nineties already, but um, I don't expect this 67 and a half, 68 and a half to be there next week. I'm sure once we get closer to the game that the Pacheco number is going to be into the seventies. It's a, it's a good spot, man. That, that seems like a lot of value for a guy that just had 24 carries in the Baltimore game at 15 for 97 in the Buffalo game, another 24 in the Miami game. I know they were playing in front, but um, there's certainly that possibility where KC is playing out in, from out in front and Pacheco will have all the opportunities in the world if that's the case. Mahomes rush yards is up to 24 and a half. Wait, so high. I looked at it too, Aaron. I, I was like, that number is really high. I'd like to bet it. Ridiculous. It makes sense. But, and he's getting the opportunities, but it was too high for me. I like the rush attempts better. Four and a half. It's juice now, though, to the over minus one forty-two minus. Well, BetMGM has minus one twenty-five. He had six carries uh, against the Ravens, six against the Bills, of course, two against the Dolphins, but didn't need it, so can't really look into that one. And the thing and the other about thing... Mahomes' rushing uh, attempt or rushing yards, I'm sorry, yeah. is he's. He's consistently, I mean, we saw it against Miami once. We saw it against Buffalo. He breaks contain. It's a, you know, it's a second and nine or even behind the stick, second and 12. Everybody's dropping so deep. They play a three deep zone and everybody runs their routes deep. And Mm -hmm. he sees the middle of the field wide open and just bang, takes off. His longest run against Buffalo, 24 yards. His longest run against Miami, 28 yards. Um, he had a couple games earlier this year, a 23 against the Chargers, a 25 against the Jets. I mean, you pick that up in one, one run, and you've got your Mahomes rushing prop over the 24 and a half. I think there's this distinct possibility um, he hits that in, in one run next Sunday. Really? And, and we've seen it also, like, if the Chiefs are down, you know, especially being the last game, like, he could just be like, man, I got to take this matter into my own hands right now mm-hmm. and try to become a hero. So well, I- in in the last two, it's six for 15 and six for 19. Here, here's the other part, which I could totally see happening, which I think we've seen in a Chiefs Super Bowl where he could be over with one of those long rushes, like you said, Chris. But then mm-hmm. everybody thinks Casey's winning. That might be three kneel downs at the end. Yeah. That's and that call. might bring you under. <laughs> yeah, stay away from that. That. W- that would be gross. No like But I, I can, no. we've seen it before. We've seen it before with Mahomes, so that's possible. It feels much higher than it should be after 19 and 15 yards last two playoff games. Mm-hmm. I agree. The other thing, to go back to Purdy for a second, Joe, you mentioned it, it's – I want to say it's 13 of his 18 games this year he's had – uh, multiple rushes. I want to say it's at least half, nine or ten games 
where he hit mm-hmm. three carries. Um, if you're looking at attempts, then yeah. If you can still get two and a half at a decent number, jump on that. Three and a half, like you said, is plus money on the over. Um, I like that as well because, again, you bring up kneel downs. Let's flip the script and let's talk about San Francisco closing out a game maybe. And I don't care if they're positive yards or not. Every kneel down's a carry. Um, you get me two or three at the end of the game, and there we go. That's a possibility as well. I don't know if we'll be in that kind of situation. I, like I've said before, I think it's a back-and-forth game, and it might even be a final possession wins kind of game. But kneel downs are always the possibility that you can't forget about. Um, I guess we can include rushing touchdowns, right? A Pacheco yeah. grabbed my attention at minus 125. He's 5-1. Uh, to one. For two plus touchdowns, and uh, I've been talking about it. It's been a long time since it's happened, but Purdy for an anytime touchdown is eight to one. Ooh. But, you know, that makes me think that Shanahan, when he gets in that scoring zone, he goes away from the quarterback. But if it's, you know, like we were talking, if you're one yard out, he just goes to CMC every time. That's the thing. It yeah. feels like Purdy yeah. would have to scramble on something more than five yards, something like that. To get in. Shanny's not calling a tush push. It doesn't feel like with, with uh-uh. like that's not, he hasn't, happening. he hasn't been doing it all year. So that's the part where I hesitate a little. I guess that's why you get the good number at eight to one, but uh, Pacheco. Yeah, I could see it, man. It's like where are the, t- where are the touchdowns going to go? That's the challenging part. Like on the Casey side, where are they all going? How many, we talk about Kelsey, talk about Pacheco, talk, you know, is Rice going to get one? That that's tough to figure out, and same and even more challenging, I'd say, on the San Francisco side because it could be anywhere outside of CMC. And, and how many touchdowns I mean, I, are there? Like, I just think there's a premium on them, Aaron. Like, I, I yeah. again, I keep coming back around to the under. And if this is a twenty-three seventeen kind of game, maybe we're only talking four touchdowns being scored in this thing total. Man, well, if that's the case, then the teams probably will be running the ball more too, right? Mm-hmm. Those slow, deliberate drives, hmm. feed Pacheco, feed McCaffrey. I mean, I just got to think Kelsey and CMC are finding the end zone. To, for You know, to bet either of them for a two-plus, obviously you're probably not getting value on just one, right? You would or think parlay him, maybe. Super Bowl, go where you, tr- where you have the most trust, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I think those names are not horrible ideas. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kelsey exactly. minus 110 for an anytime touchdown. McCaffrey minus 210. Um, I'm not sure what that would make the parlay number off the top of my head, but it would be good. It would be plus money um, if you wanted to parlay um, a McCaffrey and a Kelsey anytime touchdown. I mean, like you said, Joe, those are the two guys you trust the most. So mm-hmm. if either team's going to score a touchdown, yeah, sure. You know, there's there's always the off possibility Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to vulture a touchdown, right? And everybody's going to lose their minds. But more than likely, you get in the red zone. Like you said, you go to the guys you trust. Maybe Debo gets one on a on a jet sweep or reverse or something. Um, that would be something to keep an eye out for. But the the, the guys you trust are the guys who have come up big in the last couple of weeks. McCaffrey Elijah Dunn. Mitchell got one. Elijah That's Mitchell right. got one last week. He's ten to one. Um. An Aspen bet would be last touchdown, like an Elijah Mitchell, 30 to 1, something like that. An Aspen bet. Aspen bet. <laughs> You're in the mood for an Aspen bet. Could really use one of those to hit one of these days. 
I said bed. I didn't say win. Uh, yeah. yeah, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, thirty to one for Six last to one. touchdown. Maybe. Oh, thirty-one yeah. for last. Oh, there we go. That's that's yeah. some super vulture work there. Uh, we'll continue to look at different props day by day as we continue the build up towards Super Bowl fifty-eight. What about early leans, angles, and plays from our guy Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus? He joins us next right here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Are you ready for the most... BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. You can't look forward without first looking back. A new fun saying we're using around here as we go through our NFL year in review division by division on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. We'll do that in about 40 minutes. We'll look back on the year in the NFC North in 20 minutes. Reed Wallach to talk college hoops, both last night's scoreboard and today's card. Two-minute drill a little bit later. We'll include a look at Pebble Beach. We've got some ideas there and lightning bets before we wrap up as well. Alongside Aaron Hawksworth and Joe Ostrowski, I'm Chris Mack. Thanks for joining us live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. And, of course, in your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's free. Download it today. Take us with you. And if you miss anything, you download it as a podcast later to get caught up. And maybe every week this is appointment listening for you. If it's not, I, what's wrong with you? Look at the big brain on Brad. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, joins us every single Wednesday here on BetQL Daily. And Brad, I got to start with, before we dive into Super Bowl 58 and all the shenanigans you'll get into out in Vegas with all your PFF guys, all the people you'll make mad with your rankings, undoubtedly. You guys absolutely hit that target every single week, and I love it. Um, what was more egregious to you this past Sunday? Um, Todd Munkin forgetting that you're supposed to run the ball with Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, or Dan Campbell forgetting to kick field goals? Which one bothered you more? Yeah, I think it was definitely the Ravens' approach, and it certainly was a large part, uh, Todd Munkin. I mean, you're never down more than 10 points. You have six carries throughout the game. Gus Edwards breaks off a 15-yard scamper early on, and they kind of abandon the run. There also were a lot of RPOs where Lamar just pulled it and tried to throw. And the weirdest thing with Lamar, too, was even outside of more designed runs, we, we had the fourth and one where he ran for 25 yards and converted on their only touchdown drive. But just not scrambling. There were clear rushing lanes. You're playing a team that plays a lot of man coverage, corners in trail technique. We've talked about this angle a lot before with quarterback rushing yards. Um, there were lanes. The Spagnuolo was sending pressure, sending blitzes, and there were rushing lanes. And for whatever reason, it felt like Jackson was just trying – always to throw the ball, um, create some explosive shot plays through the air. And I think he could have picked up 15-yard chunk gains seven, eight different times if he just took off and scrambled. So, yeah, it, it was a full failure from the entire offense. But, you know, Munkin's certainly partly to blame. Lamar, of course, as well. And it doesn't help, you know, when your only receiver that shows up is a rookie Zay Flowers. So um, let's talk about the matchup. What, what do you think – what did you think about the initial line – 
of two and a half. Everybody knew, no matter what side you're on, you knew it was coming down, just based on the performances of these two teams on their path here. Um, Opening number, current number, do you agree with where everything's going, and where do you think it ends up in in 11 days from now? Yeah, knew it was going to be a, a 49ers favorite and knew it was going to fall short of a field goal, like you said. It was one of the easier you know, lines to guess uh, maybe the entire year. I bet at the Chiefs plus 105 on the money line immediately. Uh, you know, I, I just I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a good game. There are narratives to where the Niners could win this football game, but giving Patrick Mahomes getting points once again or you know, a dog on the money line, the bigger one to me was I think this to- total is too low, and there has been less movement there. Um, I think they're going to clear 47.5, no question about it. There are clear mismatches, which we'll get into, I think, on both sides of the football favoring the offense. You know, both teams have good defenses. This might sound crazy. I think Kansas City has a notably better defense than the 49ers, which might sound a little crazy to some folks, but I'm not even sure it's a debate. But I think you can attack this Chiefs defense if you're the Niners, you know, underneath uh, throwing two guys over the middle. We saw Nick Bolton struggle in coverage all game. You can run on them, which, like we said, the Ravens should have done a whole lot more of. And then for the Niners, their defense just is not good as it's been. Look at the last two months, not just the playoffs. They have not been a good defense. Nick Bosa kind of doing his own thing. Javon Hargrave has been a bit of an absent you know, presence here. Chase Young, everyone, and their mother tweeted about his lack of effort on that pursuit run play. Um, I, I think we're going to get a lot of points in this game, and, and I do think the Chiefs are going to pull it out. I think it'll, it'll stay where it is. I think it'll land one and a half to two and a half you know, in the Niners' favor, e- even up to game time. All right, you know I got to ask this. Where are you looking props-wise early on here in the week? Yeah, so, you know, we immediately jumped on a couple. There's obvious ones here. You know, I mentioned, like, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. I think Samuel is my favorite uh, in terms of going for rushing and receiving combo. He looked healthy in that last game, forced three missed tackles in space, turned a screen pass that should have been a loss of five yards into a nine-yard gain, just doing the classic Debo Samuel things. But I also think in this game, he's going to get four or five carries. I think not even just like jet sweep motion, but genuinely maybe two back sets with Christian McCaffrey and he gets the ball. So I like Debo Samuel a lot in this matchup because also, like I mentioned, they were asking Nick Bolton, who's a very good run defender, a good linebacker, but is not a coverage player. He was trailing Zay Flowers a bunch. He was on uh, Isaiah Lakely for a couple of his catches that, that he hauled in in that game. I really like that side of it there. And then... Then you get a little, little more like interesting and, and unique here. Brock Purdy rushing props, I like a lot. I think right now it's at 11 and a half. Awesome value there, but this is a guy that between him and Jimmy Garoppolo is he will take off and scramble. We saw he had 48 rushing yards in the last game. And again, the narrative I mentioned, the Chiefs are going to send pressure and they're going to play man coverage behind it. And that is where quarterbacks can thrive, picking up five, six, seven yards instead of two, three yards. Um, we need three of those you know, to cash. So those are my two favorites on that side of the ball. We've lost value now on Kansas City uh, in my eyes. You know, I think you could look at the run game in Isaiah Pacheco. And, and Travis Kelsey, we bet it at 66 and a half. I think it's at 70 and a half, a 71 and a half. The way I would play that now is Travis Kelsey – I want to say it's plus 320 to just lead the game in receiving yards. Um, that is how I would play him now, or you could just take him as the MVP. Um, I think it was 23 to 1 when we bet it. I'm sure that's come down a little bit. Beyond all the obvious you know, narratives, just him having a good game, and the guy has had 70 receiving yards in 12 straight playoff games. Uh, but also, come on, it's, Taylor, it's the Taylor Swift Bowl. He, he's you know maybe not playing all that much longer. If he has 80 yards and a touchdown, he's getting the MVP. 
Yeah, uh, it just it, there, there's outside of the quarterbacks. We talked about it the other day, Brad. It's hard to see an angle to the best angle, I guess I should say, to seeing somebody snag MVP outside the quarterbacks is Kelsey. If it's a close second to McCaffrey. But speaking of running backs, and you mentioned San Francisco's struggles on defense the last couple of weeks of the regular season, filtering into the playoffs, 182 on the ground against Detroit, 136 uh, against Green Bay. We talked about Aaron Jones earlier. Granted, uh, the the big chunk of that came on one run, but that one, one run still happened. Um, when I look at Pacheco rushing yards, I see the prop at 69 and a half. I see the long at 15 and a half, and he's gone over that in, I think, three of his last four games. Last week against Baltimore, the first time he didn't. Um, Pacheco rushing props in general, outside of touchdowns. What do you think about his long, his yards, his attempts, um, and just the rushing props in general, which we had touched on a couple minutes before you joined us? Yeah, I think you play the angle of if they have a positive game script and they're up, we know Andy Reid is going to run the football. You know, of course, they're still going to have a higher pass rate than most teams in all scenarios, all score differentials, et cetera. But uh, I think if they get an early lead, you are going to see a ton of Isaiah Pacheco. And I thought we saw a shift of there was a kind of late season, early playoffs. There was more of a committee. Like you saw in that Ravens game, like, no, Isaiah Pacheco is our workhorse. He's getting pass catching volume. He's getting all the carries. We had a little bit of CEH mixed in, but, you know, McKinnon's still not there. I think I'd play attempts, you know, more than the yards. Um, and, and longest rush, you know, the Niners do do a very good job of limiting those explosives. I know you mentioned the Aaron Jones run. But over the course of the year, you can kind of chip away at them, but it's hard to really break off an explosive. They, they gang tackle very well. They, they attack the football um, very, very well in space. So I, I would go more attempts, and the angle is just Chiefs go up, and, and they just pound the rock and, and try to bleed clock and, and just not let the Niners back on the field. Uh, Brad, you wrote an in-depth piece over uh, PFF.com was just posted this morning about potential landing spots, including uh, one Kirk Cousins. Tease us a little bit for people that haven't read the piece yet. Um, what What's the number one story to you? Yeah, so I hope we get markets there. We always get a couple interesting, you know, m- most likely destination for free agents. You know, I got a feeling those markets probably won't exist for a whole lot longer, uh, akin to how draft props, you know, disappeared last year compared to prior years. But I think Cousins is going to go on a free agent circuit similar to what he did when he landed in Minnesota, you know, going to the Jets building, going all over the place and getting courted by a bunch of different teams. I'm sure he'd like to stay in Minnesota, <clears throat> but. I think they recognize they're in more of a transition period and they have to explore other options as much as Kevin O'Connell does like him. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, you bring in a Rams coaching staff with Zach Robinson on offense, you know, it, it could pivot back to what they've done under center play action, wanting a guy like a Kirk Cousins. We, we hear about how much Cal Shanahan and those guys love a Kirk Cousins for a reason. He's a great fit in, in, in their bread and butter. So I think Atlanta still makes a ton of sense. And look, Pittsburgh, uh, your Pittsburgh Steelers, Chris. I mean, look, you hired Arthur Smith. Give it to me for the show. You have to. I mean, first of all, let's let's be honest. It would be the biggest upgrade of all time over the current quarterbacks on the roster. So you're covering your face, but let's be honest. No, no, but yeah, in all seriousness, though, like ignoring the Arthur Smith hire from a whatever success in an Atlanta standpoint. This is the biggest philosophical and schematic departure you could possibly hire. I mean, we had a podcast last night about it. Me, me and John Ledger do a show about the Steelers. 
everything they do is dramatically different. They're under center play action, outside zone rushing, and the Steelers are shotgun, you know, gap inside zone. Like it, it's an entirely different philosophy. So if your antenna wants to go up and you're not saying, hey, they're just going to try to just get more out of Kenny and change what they do with Kenny and all this. It's No, they're going to try to make a splash. And, hey, I, I didn't say Ryan Tannehill, so I, I'm not being that mean to you. Um, <laughs> but I, you have to keep an eye out for it. Maybe they think, hey, we have, we have a great veteran defense. Cam Hayward's not going to be around that much longer. T.J. Watt turning 30, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let's, let's make a splash, go after Kirk Cousins, and see if we can you know, advance in the playoffs, not just make the playoffs. See, I don't like the Kirk slander. I, I love Kirk on this show, th- but I think that I'm would alone make on Pittsburgh pr- pretty dangerous. Uh, I, I mean, that's it would take them from a nine-win team. They would go from a nine-win team to a ten-win team. It would be spectacular. Oh, that's no. ridiculous. <laughs> You're a joke. Get out of here with that. All right. <laughs> Let's pivot to Washington. Ben Johnson pump fakes the commanders, decides to stay in Detroit. Where does Washington – or first your reaction to the situation, and then what does Washington do next? Yeah, this is fascinating to me because I understand it in past years. For example, Carolina, we know, went after him hard. And I would say, yeah, if I'm Ben Johnson, I'm cool sticking around in Detroit and not going to a situation like that. It doesn't really get a whole lot better than five top 100 draft picks, including, of course, the second overall pick. They lead the NFL in cap space. They have an owner that is aggressively adding you know, front office talent. Adam Peters is one of the most you know, regarded GM's candidates around, finally goes there. They're hiring out you know, analytics staff, all these things. You, they're going to be aggressive. You have some pieces there, Terry McLaurin, the defensive line, you know, et cetera. And he still pulls his head out of the ring. Uh, it's fascinating. I, I wonder if he just doesn't really want to be a head coach, at least right now where he is in his career, and just is comfortable being an OC. Uh, I know he's super close with Jared Goff and, the, and that Lions team, but it really doesn't get a whole lot better than that. So that was an, an interesting to me. I think at this point, and I know all the arguments around you know hiring an offensive coach. I've probably made them. Um, but if I'm Seattle and Washington, Mike McDonald is my top candidate uh, available by – frankly, a comfortable margin. I do want to hear who his offensive staff would be because that is kind of fascinating. There's no like connections to him with some hot offensive coordinators. He's a Michigan guy and then a Baltimore guy. I don't think Todd Munkin is following him, uh, you know, to a team. So nevertheless, he'd be my top candidate. No question about it. Um, Shut down all of these Shanahan offenses and all the offenses we fall in love with. And McDonald kicked them all in the teeth. Even this Chiefs game, they score early, he adjusts and they do nothing for, you know, two and a half quarters. So, He's got to be the top guy, in my opinion, for both of these spots. Belichick still in play at all, you think? Or has that boat sailed and he's just Jerry Jones break glass in case of emergency next season? I think not only that, but another uh, NF- or, yeah, NFC East team I find interesting. If the Giants flounder again, I mean, Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator there. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Hey, Brian Dable kind of collapses again. Interesting dynamic because those guys are obviously close. They worked together for a while, but I can see the Maras, you know, chasing that, making a making a big offer, letting Bill run or yeah, run the entire operation one last time. But yeah, this cycle, I, I think he's done. I uh, I saw your former coworker Eric Eager throw out his hot take for next season. His hot take is Belichick doesn't get a job, but a, a team makes a firing early in the season and brings in Belichick to clean up the mess. What do you think of that? 
Yeah, I think there's a couple obvious names there. You know, I think, first of all, I, the Saints, I think, is probably more potentially John Gruden doing that to Dennis Allen. But but I think there are a couple coaches who's kind of sitting around waiting for things like that to happen. Yeah, I, I'm curious if Eric had any specific teams in mind. But, you know, you mentioned Dallas McCarthy last year of his deal. They get off to a slow oh, start. Oh, man. Maybe he, yeah. Awesome. Maybe he goes that route. Um, I think Tampa is actually pretty interesting, too. They're getting totally pilfered right now. Their entire offensive staff leaving. Todd Bowles deserves to keep the job this year. You can't fire him after what he did in Tampa. But, you know, you lose the OC. You lose now the, the number two in the offense. Brad Izzik goes to Carolina as well. Jason Light, the GM, is, of course, a Patriots tree guy. Not predicting or anything, but just kind of some obvious threads and connections there. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked. B- Bill's not going away anytime soon. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, great stuff, man. We appreciate the light flex with the Tulane Law School polo on, too. Looks great on the Twitch and YouTube feeds. Yeah. Roll away, The big brains on Brad, as I always like to say. (laughs) I'll hit you up in your DMs about who the pass game coordinator is going to be for the Steelers now, too. Um, Perfect. Perfect. We'll talk. We'll talk soon. We continue to look ahead to Super Bowl 58 in the final hour. But coming up next, we talk college hoops. From BetSided, Reed Wallach joins the show here on BetQL Daily. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. The top 10 upsets just keep coming. UNC falling in Atlanta to the Yellow Jackets last night. Tennessee losing at home to South Carolina not long after they had knocked off Kentucky, uh, what, a week and a half ago or so in Columbia. It just keeps happening. College hoops getting crazy, and we will dive back into Super Bowl 58. We'll talk Pebble Beach in a little bit as well inside our two-minute drill in the third and final hour. Lightning bets before we wrap up here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, live coast-to-coast on the BetQL Network. Chris Mack, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth with you. We'll also do our NFL year in review today, focusing on the teams of the NFC North. But you heard the craziness there. We got to help. We got to bring somebody to help us make sense of it from the early read. And you can find him at BetSided as well. Reed Wallach joins us here on BetQL Daily. Reed, let's start with those top 10 upsets. It happens again. And this time for Tennessee at home. North Carolina, you heard the wild ending there. Um, is there anybody, anybody at the top of this thing that we fully and explicitly trust at this point? Guys, thanks for having me on. And before before I talk about the top of the the top of the board in terms of like title futures, Jay Williams, a locked in Reese Davis, giving a great call on an upset like that, and Jay Williams talking about a no call. Like, come on, let Reese Davis call the game. Let him have that moment. I Jay Williams taking the fun out of a an upset like that. That final call, but I think this just shows the parity in college basketball right now. Uh, I think it's a long season. Teams are going to have their slip ups. Uh, I was on Georgia Tech. Last night when they knocked off North Carolina, looked like it was finally the, the sell spot Look, you know, ahead of that Duke game. Uh, you could say the same for Tennessee, though. They're going to Rupp Arena on Saturday, a loaded Saturday slate, and maybe they were looking a little ahead to a Final Four contender in Kentucky, and they looked past a pretty good South Carolina team. So I think there's a lot of peaks and valleys in every season. I don't think 
you should be looking at this one like, oh, Tennessee can't do it this year because they lost at home to South Carolina. I think it just shows that the gap from these teams are what, like top five, top 10 teams to South Carolina is like a top, what are they, like 50 team? I think the gap is smaller than it's been in, you know, five years ago, eight years ago. I think there are more upsets per se because the gap is just that much smaller with the prevalence of the transfer portal and stuff like that. Reed, I know there's a few spots you like on tonight's card. Uh, let's start with the Xavier. They're a short home favorite against St. John's. Numbers, uh, one and a half. What do you like there? Yeah, I, I like Xavier here. This is a rematch from December 20th. St. John's absolutely smoked Xavier in this one. But if you, you look a little bit deeper, kind of an uncharacteristic Xavier outing in that one. They had uh, 18 turnovers as a team that's really good at protecting the ball. Uh, they're also a pretty prevalent three-point shooting team in conference play. St. John's running real hot, defending the three. They have the Big East best three-point defense allowed. They're allowing teams to shoot just 26% from beyond the arc. And just to go back to that UNC game, UNC was holding teams to 24% three-point shooting in ACC play. That's not going to keep up. Even if it's a slight regression back to the mean, you're going to see those things. So you got St. John's. Play tight against Marquette at home. They smoked Villanova last week. They're now going on the road. I think this is a good spot for Xavier. Maybe you're getting some inherent market value because look at Xavier's last two games. Lose to Creighton by double digits. Lose to UConn by 33 on the road. Coming back home, Xavier, I think, in a pretty good spot to get back on track. So I laid the the small number there with uh, the Musketeers at home. I love it. What about Boise State at number 19, New Mexico? Are we laying it with the Lobos, the spread at 10 and a half? So Boise State has been, especially in recent years, at Mountain West, a contender. They've made the tournament the last, uh, you know, been in the tournament discussion, made it uh, in recent years. This team isn't the same. And this is a New Mexico team that when you go to the pit, you are in big trouble. This team plays at a top 10 pace. They're loaded on offense. They turn you over. Great guard play. The freshman, JT Toppin, is looking to be a, a first-round prospect. Uh, this number is a bit wide, though. We're looking double digits here against a Boise State team that I don't think is the same as recent years, but could still keep this one close. I would pivot more for New Mexico's team total over. That should be in like the 80-ish range. They've gone over that number in their last five games and beyond. They're at home, running real hot, playing a fast tempo. Boise, bottom half of the country in terms of rim protection this year, in terms of near uh, proximity field goal percentage allowed. So I think New Mexico could put up their number. I just don't know if they could cover that uh, big spread. Reed Wallach, a bet sided with us here on BetQL Daily. And, you know, we've been trying to figure out this system, Reed, for the home dogs that we see, especially in the power conferences, seemingly pulling out wins, straight up wins, if not just covering in a lot of cases uh, in this college basketball season. One that sticks out tonight in the always ridiculous bloodbath of the Big 12, UCF. Uh, they've got an upset against Texas earlier in the year on their resume. Uh, they host Baylor tonight, and they're getting three, three and a half at home. So I will say in terms of like this home dog, like smash spot that I feel like in recent years, everyone's been on, and it's like the clear spot. Like anecdotally, Villanova on Tuesday night against Marquette. Everybody loved Villanova, right? They lost four straight. Marquette's on the road. They're ranked. Villanova's favored. Like, what What gives here? Like, th this is a clear 
uh, slam spot for Villanova. Villanova came back, but they were also down, I think, 20 in the first half, and they ended up losing pretty convincingly. I was on Marquette. I think the market is sharpening up quite a bit to that spot, right, where the obvious, like, oh, unranked team favored against the ranked team. No, I, I'm kind of off those. You look at what Kempom had in that game, and now there's a data set building where we have a pretty firm grasp on what these teams are. Marquette was favored by one in that game, and we were getting a bucket there with the Golden Eagles, who I rate very highly. So I was happy to take Marquette there, and they ended up coming through for me. So I think you got to still pick and choose your spots, and it's not like blindly backing that like proven system. I think the market is making you pay a pretty significant tax there. As for UCF tonight, I actually like this matchup quite a bit. Baylor, the team has come back to earth quite a bit from their three-point shooting. They're going on the road. Two of their three road games, they have lost. Two of them have went to overtime. They've struggled quite a bit. And where they're really struggling is defending at the rim. Allowing teams to shoot 55% on twos in conference play. They're out to the top 300 defending at the rim. UCF's offense, I'm not going to tell you, is any good. But they're a top 10 defense, according to Kempom. And the ability to generate easy buckets in a slow possession game, I'm really happy to get over a bucket with the Knights. So I like UCF uh, catching points against Baylor. I know people might flock to them off the triple overtime loss and three in a row. I'm not sure this is the exact spot for Baylor to get back on track. Okay. What about uh, Pitt and Wake? Pitt, another one of those uh, short home favorites, one and a half, some spots already up to two. Yeah, I I think – Wake, they're a home court merchant is what I like to call them. They, they really thrive at home. They're undefeated at home. But uh, when they go on the road, they're not the same. They're two and six away from home. And those two wins come against Towson on a neutral and Boston College. Pitt starting to turn it around. Uh, I think that they have the size to bang down low with someone like Efton Reed. And you look at Wake running really hot from three. Their three percentage metrics look nice. They're what, like top 30 in the country in three-point percentage. When they go on the road, that's the top 103 point percentage. So you're seeing that drop off and it's starting to show in their play. They're really relying on the three point shot. Pitt, really stout defense. They clean the glass really well. They have the size. Again, you're asking me to take the team to win at home. I, I like Pitt. Blake Hinson's starting to play good ball. So I like uh, the Panthers there at home. Another small favorite. I want to ask you about Arizona, number four mm-hmm. in Ken Palm, but they've had some curious losses this season, even in their own conference. Is this a team that maybe could be a little bit fraudulent come tournament time, or how do you rate this Wildcats team? So I like to do weekly, Aaron. Uh, I like to call it the Kempom 2020, where if you are on the top 20 in terms of offensive efficiency and defense efficiency, by the end of the season, you qualify as a national champion. Based, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's two since 2003. Uh, all but two have won the national championship. Arizona fits that bill right now. They're sixth on offense, 13th on defense. They have some curious results, and the three-point defense is a bit concerning. We've seen Arizona really run into trouble come tournament time when the game slows down. I will say this team looks a bit different. They're not running the two-big lineup anymore. They're running really that one big with Omar Balo and four wings outside of them. So they kind of look a little bit more versatile, in my opinion. I don't know if I'm there as like national championship winner. There are a little too many bouts with a poor, ineffective play, especially shooting. But I don't know if this team is like going to lose to Princeton again. It might just be a little bit later in the tournament. Uh, they are a tricky uh, team to crack, uh, especially when they leave Tucson. They they really just aren't the same team. 
Reed Wallach from Betsider with us talking college hoops. So big picture, when you think about futures, teams, whether they're at the top of the board or not, uh, you may have in mind with uh, the stretch run and March fast approaching. Uh, yeah. So like I mentioned, those like 2020 buckets, I'm looking for balanced teams, teams that can win in multiple ways. Uh, I, we were talking about Tennessee earlier. That is a team I placed a future on in the past two weeks. I believe that Tennessee is different. Uh, famous last words. I'm going to trust Rick Barnes in March, but I do think oh, that this team looks a little <laughs> bit different than it has in the past. Uh, Dalton connect, in my opinion, is the best wing in the entire country. Uh, this is a guy who's regularly scoring 25-plus, and he gives Tennessee a complexion on offense that they haven't had in recent years. And meanwhile, they're still backing it up on defense. It's still top-five defense. They have size down low, and having a bucket getter like Dalton Connect really opens up the floor, in my opinion. So Tennessee, they fit the bill. And I think you know them with the same odds as Kentucky, I believe it says on the side there, I think that's a little crazy given the complexion of Kentucky's roster. They have high-end talent, but that's a team that's like approaching outside the top 100 in adjusted defense. So Kentucky, red flags are up. I do not trust Kentucky come March. Great stuff, Reed, as always. We appreciate the time today, man. All right, thanks, guys. Best of luck tonight. Absolutely. Reed Wallach, the early Reed. You can download that. Plus, check out all his stuff at BetSided as well, including that weekly 2020 in the Ken Palm rankings. It is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our NFL year in review division by division continues with the NFC North right here on BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM.